Welcome, dear brothers and sisters, to session number eight from our series titled Buried Ever After. And subhanAllah, the weeks are flying by. We're finding ourselves nearing the latter end of the study. Not too long from now, we're going to be uh, bidding farewell to this series entirely. And then discussing what's next with you, inshallah, I will involve you in that discussion. So we are still in the thick of the principles pertaining to problems when they start arising in a family. So that means the first and second batch of principles are done. And we're left now with the third batch that we're covering. And one more in this quadrant. And then inshallah ta'ala that will be the end of the series. So we're still covering the principles from the Quran that deal with problems as and when they begin arising between husband and wife. This principle this evening is principle number what, brothers? 12. Principle 12, correct. And this is the principle from Surah An-Nisa, chapter 4 of the Quran, where Allah Jalla Jalaluhu said, وَالصُّلْحُ خَيْرُ Reconciliation is best. Or if you wish to translate it, you can say, making a settlement is best. In our dialect, in our language today, you would say something like, making a peace treaty is best. وَالصُّلْحُ خَيْرُ Reconciliation is the best, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said. And this verse has appeared in the context of marriage. And you will find that in the Quran and in the Sunnah, there is a heavy emphasis to make reconciliation between disputing Muslims wherever possible. In most scenarios and spanning across all departments of life, if there is a glimmer of opportunity, if there is a spark of hope, the Muslims are encouraged to bring those two parties together and amend their relationship. That is the asal, the default. You will find that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He said, generally praising those Muslims who play a role in bringing Muslims' hearts together, He said, لا خير في كثير من نجواهم. There is no good in much of their secret conversations. إلا من أمر بصدقه except those who instruct people to give charity or ma'roof or goodness or they instruct people to come together to reconcile then Allah says promisingly whoever does so seeking the pleasure of Allah what is the reward we will give this person a huge reward. That is those individuals who are playing a role and reconciling between people who've disputed and amending their relationship. In fact, even in the context of Muslims who are embattled, Muslims who are at war with one another, the priority again is to reconcile between them, even if it means that a physical intervention is required. Allah Jalla Jalaluhu said, فَإِنْ بَغَتْ إِحْدَاهُمَا عَلَى الْأُخْرَى If one group of Muslims transgresses over another, what should you do? As an authority, فَقَاتِلُوا الَّتِي تَبْغِي Fight that group of Muslims that is oppressing. حَتَّى تَفِيءَ إِلَىٰ أَمْرِ اللَّهِ Until it comes back to the command of Allah. فَإِنْ فَاءَتْ If it does come back to the command of Allah, فَأَصْلِحُوا بَيْنَهُمَا بِالْعَدْلِ Then reconcile between those two Muslims who are fighting with one another in justice. وَأَصْلِحُوا جَزَاكَ اللَّهِ خير. And 
وَأَقْصِتُ Be just, Allah said. إِنَّ اللَّهَ يُحِبُّ الْمُقْصِتِينَ Allah Almighty loves those who are just. So even when we are talking about Muslims who are at war with one another, Allah Jalla Jalaluhu will instruct a group of Muslims, the authority, to fight the oppressive group. And then when they stop fighting and committing injustice, the priority is to bring their hearts together, to reconcile. Allahu Akbar. And in the context of distributing the spoils of war, when the companions of the Prophet ﷺ disputed with one another and they fell out, how are the spoils of war to be distributed? And no Quran was revealed up until this point, demarcating how the spoils are to be given out to the warriors. They fell out and there was a debate between the Sahaba. So Allah Jalla Jalaluhu revealed verses from which surah my brothers addressing this? From Surah Anfal, chapter 8 of the Quran. And what is amazing is that the first verse, second verse, third verse have nothing to do with the question of the companions about how to distribute the spoils. How do we distribute the spoils? Look at ayah number one from Surah Al Anfal. Anfal. They ask you about the spoils. Say to them, the spoils belong to Allah and His Messenger. So be fearful of Allah. And reconcile your relationships with one another. Amend your broken relationships with one another, Allah says to the Sahaba. Obey Allah and His Messenger in Kuntum Mu'mineen if you are believers. And then the verses continue. Notice how the very first verse from Surah Al Anfal that is addressing their question about how the spoils are to be distributed has nothing to do with how the spoils are to be distributed. But it shifts the attention onto something else, which is what? Come together, reconcile, amend your broken relationship. And the verses continue, speaking about the characteristics of the believers, how they behave when the Qur'an is recited, their relationship with one another, Allah's favor upon those Sahaba when they were at war with each other. And then when you get to Ayah 40 from Surah Al-Anfal, Ayah what? Ayah 40, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addresses their question of how the spoils are to be what? Are to be distributed. To show you the emphasis of the Sharia is always in every walk of life, wherever possible, to bring the hearts of Muslims together when they have fallen out. And all of this is a prelude, it's an introduction, a build-up to what I want to say to you now. That even in the context of marriage, the priority, wherever possible, Contrary to what the narrative of modernity is pushing, is to bring the hearts of husband and wife together, to save the marriage, to keep it alive as much as possible and wherever possible, and to avoid divorce as much as humanly possible. And that's why Allah Almighty said in the verse that we are studying now, let me give you the entire ayah from Surah An-Nisa. Allah said, If a wife fears some ill behavior or abandonment from her husband then they should not be blamed if they decide to make a settlement between them and reconciliation is best Allah said that is best and then Allah says what greed is always present in the mind of man I will speak to you about this 
latter part of the ayah in a moment and its relevance with our discussion. So what does this ayah mean that if a woman fears ill conduct from her husband or some sort of desertion, abandonment, then they should not be held to blame if they make a settlement and making a settlement is best. Reconciliation is best, Allah says. Scholars of tafsir have said that this is a scenario where her husband has, for one reason or another, turned away from her. Maybe he's lost interest. His behavior is not ideal. If in that scenario they decide between themselves that we're going to keep the marriage alive, which will come at the cost of some of the rights of the wife, if they make that type of agreement, then it should not be held against them. فَلَا جُنَاهَا عَلَيْهِمَا To make that type of settlement. Then Allah said, وَصُلْحُ خَيْرٍ Making a settlement is best. I.e. doing that, i.e. one of the two parties foregoing some of their rights in order to keep their relationship going and to not break up a family, that is better than the outcome of divorce. And our Prophet ﷺ exemplified the ethos and the atmosphere and the spirit of this ayah so much in his life. Wherever he found couples who were disputing, he would go and he would try to keep them together. And even before he did that, he would set out certain rules to manage expectations to keep husband and wife together. He would say, in an expectation managing hadith, he would say, as Muslim narrates on the authority of Abu Huraira, he said, لا يفرق مؤمن مؤمنة إن كريها منها خلق رضي منها بآخر No believing man, meaning a husband, should hate a believing woman, meaning his wife. He said, because if you hate one of her characteristics, then surely you admire others. If there are certain traits that you dislike about her, surely there are many other traits that you admire. So why despise? And Al-Qadr Ayyad, he said, commenting on this hadith, he says, وَفِيهِ إِشَارَةٌ عَلَىٰ أَنَّ الصَّاحِبَ لَا يَخْلُوا مِنْ عَيْبٍ He says, this hadith is an indication saying to people that there is no companion in life who is free from deficiencies and blemishes. They don't exist. And then he continues, Al-Qadr Ayyad, and he says, وَمَنْ أَرَادَ الصَّاحِبَ بِلَا عَيْبٍ يَبْقَى بِدُونِ صَاحِبٍ and therefore, any person who wants a companion in life who is free from faults will live his life lonely without a single friend. And then he says, uh, He says, and no human being is free from good qualities, especially the believer. He said, therefore, you should focus on what is good and you should try to veil and conceal the rest. No husband should hate his wife because if he despises some of her characteristics, surely he, he admires others. Maybe she's a little bit foul-mouthed. Okay, but is she not uh, good when it comes to the uh, house chores, for example? Does she not take care of your children? Is she not there at your beck and call? Is she not taking care of your mother and father? Is she not good with her own parents? The list is endless. And vice versa. 
No believer should hate another. Surely there are traits that you admire if you dislike some. So he would say that, alayhi salatu wasalam. Why? In spirit of the verse that we are studying, reconciliation is best. It helps you manage this idea of perfection, that it doesn't exist, and it helps you come together when you fall out. Another example of how he would bring people together when they are disputing in the famous hadith of Imam al-Bukhari when uh, on the authority of Sahli ibn Sa'd al Sa'di, when he once came to the house of his daughter Fatima. Fatima is married to who? Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu. So his daughter is married to his cousin Ali. He comes into the home and he doesn't find Ali. He says to her, Ayn ibn Ammik, focus on every word of the hadith, subhanAllah. Where is your cousin? He said to his daughter, your husband. Where is your cousin Ali? She said, Kana bayni wa baynahu shayt. Faghadabani falam yaqil indi. Yani lam yanam al-qaydula. She said, we fell out over a matter. And so he made me angry and I made him angry. And so he stormed out of the house and he decided not to have his siesta nap here. And so the Prophet وسلم, he inquired about the whereabouts of Ali. Where is he in the city? And they said that he's, he's in the masjid. So he went to the masjid and he found Ali anhu sleeping in one corner of the masjid and his side that was in contact with the ground. Of course, there were no luxurious carpets like this. It was just in contact with the soil. He found that his entire side was covered with sand and soil. And the Prophet taps on his shoulder and he swats away, he pats away at the dust and he said to him, Qum Aba Turab, Qum Aba Turab, get up Mr. Dusty, get up Mr. Dusty, come on, go home. End of problem. Focus here on several things, perhaps five. Focus on how. When the Messenger comes into the home of Fatima and all of these five points spill into the direction of reconciliation is best. He doesn't say to her, Aina Zawjuki, where's your husband? He didn't say that. He said, where's your cousin? In a subtle reminder to Fatima that the person you've fallen out with is family. It's not just your husband. Remember, there's ties of kinship here. Allahu Akbar the responsible parent and the responsible in-law in bringing together children when they've fallen out is phenomenally important. Where's your cousin, he said, as if to remind her what? That there is family between you. This reminds me, subhanAllah, of Harun salam, when his brother, his younger brother Musa was grabbing him by his beard and his hair, saying, don't you see what Bani Israel have done? They have taken a God besides Allah. You were supposed to be watching over them, Harun. What does Harun say? Yabna Um, son of my mother. Why does he call him by son of my mother? To remind him that we have a relationship between us. Huh? The rahim, the womb, we shared the same womb, have mercy upon me. So he said to Fatima, where's your cousin? The second thing is notice the response of Fatima radiallahu anha. Allahu Akbar, as the Prophet said, four women of humanity were complete. And one of them was Fatima, daughter of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He said to her, where's your cousin? She didn't say to him, he did this, thing. he did that. This was a perfect opportunity to what? Offload her version of the story. She has the luxury of having the Prophet all to herself. And Ali radiallahu anhu cannot defend himself. And many people would capitalize upon that as an opportunity. 
she didn't give any details of the dispute. She said, something happened between us. That's it. Not even my father needs to know. On this occasion, we can manage the situation. On this particular problem, we can keep it indoors. Something happened between us. The Prophet ﷺ did not inquire. What is it? He was not nosy. Something happened. Point number three. Notice how the Prophet ﷺ did not summon Ali. He could have asked any one of the Sahaba who are the beck and call of the Prophet ﷺ, bring Ali to my house. Right? No. He wouldn't do that. He would go to him. He would go and search for him. Search for his son-in-law. To go out into the Arabian sun, uh, through the desert of Medina, the unpaved roads, and I will find him myself. Because there is the fear that if I was to ask him to come to me, that Ali would feel alienated. He'd feel isolated, that they've ganged up on me. And the Prophet ﷺ has somehow already assumed a position, a negative position against me. No, no, I will go to him and speak to him. Number four, look at how he spoke to Ali. What happened? He didn't say that. What did you do to her? He didn't say that. What did she do to you? He didn't say that. He simply woke him up. He brushed away the uh, dust from his body and he said to him, Get up, Mr. Dusty. Literally meaning, get up, father of dust. To make things easy with him. In other words, let's keep it simple. It's okay. Go back home. Don't stay away from your wife. Go, bismillah, end of problem. And some issues are like that. The way people react to your problem can make it huge in your eyes or it can make it small. Sometimes there is genuinely a huge issue between husband and wife. It really needs to be resolved. But the way that people advise in such a negative way, it, it seems small. And therefore the issue is compounded. And therefore they don't take any particular steps or action to deal with it. And the opposite is true. Sometimes you have a small issue. It's a petty issue. And then your friends give you bad marital advice. And they're giving you all of these battle cries, these war cries, brave heart. And you realize, oh my goodness, this is a, I've got to get him back. This is divorce material. So the Prophet ﷺ trivializes this problem of Ali and Fatima in a positive way because it was in that situation and he sent him back home. And you know the type of love that Ali anhu had for Fatima. And in a couple of in the first uh, sessions of the series, we covered the couplets of poetry of Ali on the graveside of Fatima when she died before him and what he said and how broken his heart was. So this is point number what? Point number four. Point number five from this hadith is how Fatima and Ali عنهما, endeavored to keep their problem in-house. No one knew about it. She did not complain to her father, the Prophet and Ali did not complain to his father-in-law. It was only when the Prophet came into the house to visit, on the off chance, that he came to know of their problem. In other words, in the household of Ali and Fatima, the priority was to keep the problem within the confines of our house, to not to make our issue the chit-chat of social media and our circle of friends. Wherever possible, wherever possible, the priority is to keep the issue in-house and not to bring in arbitrators from family and not to bring in an imam or a counselor or a therapist only as and when necessity dictates. This is 
the example of Fatima and Ali and how the Prophet ﷺ endeavored to apply this principle of what? Of what, Ya Abdullah? Reconciliation. Reconciliation is best. And the third example is the famous marriage that happened between Barira and Mughif, both of whom are companions of the Prophet and Mughif, he was a slave, he didn't have his freedom. And Barira, she was an emancipated woman. They were married and they had children. But Barira, for one reason or another, grew further away and drifted further away from her husband Mughif and she no longer desired him. This hadith is in Sahih al-Bukhari, on the authority of Abdullah ibn Abbas, who said that I used to see Mughif following his wife Barira in the streets of Medina, pleading with her to stay with him, and his tears were rolling off his cheek, crying behind her, and she wouldn't even look back at him. And this amazed our Prophet And he would say to his uncle Al-Abbas, he said, Ya Abbas, ala ta'jab min hubbi mughithin barirata wa bughdi barirata mughitha. Oh Abbas, my uncle, don't you find it amazing? The intense love that Mughith has for Barira and the hatred that Barira has for Mughith. Following her in the streets of Medina crying and she wouldn't look back at him. And so the Prophet والسلام, in line with the spirit of this ayah, reconciliation is best, he tried to intercede and to reconcile between them. And so he summoned Barira and he said to her, لَوْ رَاجَعْتِ مُغِيثَ Will you not consider going back to Mughith? فَإِنَّهُ أَبُوْ وَلَدِكِ After all, he is the father of your children. And she said to him, تَأْمُرُنِي Are you commanding me to do this, O Messenger of Allah? Amazing, the companions. As if to say, if this is an instruction from you, I'll do it. No problem. I will live miserably ever after. I have no problem with that if it comes from you and that's what you want me to do. He said to her, she said to him, are you commanding me to do this? He said, Innama ana ashfa. I'm just interceding. I'm just interceding on his behalf. That's all. I'm not instructing you. She said, La hajata li fihi. In that case, I have no interest in him. That was the end of their relationship. Subhanallah. To show you that the outcome of reconciliation is not always reconciliation. It sometimes may end in divorce. But the religion is very keen to close all doors or to knock on all doors before that happens. And he alayhi salatu wasalam, was a fine example of that. And then the companions, they also played a huge role in keeping the marriages of the companions intact. And saying, as-sulhu khayr, reconciliation is best wherever possible. And you have the famous narration of Ikrimah in the tabaqat of Ibn Sa'ad, the scholars of hadith said this narration is authentic. Where Asma complained of the severity of her husband as Zubair. Who is Asma? The daughter of? Of Abu Bakr. Who is a Zubair? One of the ten who were promised Jannah. Learn these names, my dear brothers and sisters. Be acquainted with them. So she went to her father, Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, complaining of the severity of Az-Zubair. The narration said, وَكَانَ شَدِيدًا عَلَيْهَا He was severe on her. She had a lot of impossible tasks. And look at the responsible father. What did Abu Bakr say to Asma? 
He said to her, Ya Bunayyati Sbiri, daughter, be patient. Yeah, this is the advice that a lot of our sisters despise. Don't tell me to be patient. No, every relationship in life is defined and underpinned by patience. Your relationship with your parents, patience. Your relationship with your children, patience. Your relationship with your neighbor, patience. Your relationship with your masjid, patience. Sabr, coming here every day for salah. Your relationship with your colleagues, your relationship with your employer, your relationship with your employees. And similarly, your relationship with your husband and wife. It requires patience. So Abu Bakr, he says to his daughter, what? What is he doing to you? I will deal with him. How dare he? Does he not know who you are? He said to her daughter, be patient. Because whenever a woman is married to a righteous man, and then she, he dies, and she does not remarry after his death, Allah will bring them together in Jannah. He will be the ideal man in Jannah. Now I don't doubt that behind closed doors, Abu Bakr anhu gave some advice to Az-Zubayr. But look at how he addressed it in the eyes of Asma, his daughter Asma. Be patient. Because they believed as-sulhu khayr, reconciliation is best. And that was their priority wherever possible. And similarly, the famous narration of Amir al-Mu'mineen Umar, when he was the Khalifa. And a man came knocking at the door of Umar. This man was complaining of his wife. My wife, she's foul-mouthed. She's too loud. She insults me with her kalam, with her speech. So he went to the house of Umar anhu. He knocked on the door to get some advice. How do I behave with this woman who's treating me this way? And as he's waiting at the door, what does he hear? He hears a fight happening in the family of Umar anhu, Umar and his wife. And the wife of Umar, she's raising her voice and she's being tough with her words. And the leader of the believers, Umar, is staying silent, not responding to her. So the man says, La ilaha illallah, and he walks away. I've come to take advice. It's the same scenario that I'm struggling with at home. So he walks away. Umar notices that someone was at the door and then has walked away. So he rushes to the door and he opens it. And he says, brother, come back. The man comes back. He says, how can I help you? He said, well, to tell you the truth, leader of the believers, my wife, it's giving me a hard time in terms of how she speaks to me and she's not respecting me whatsoever and I came to your house to seek some counsel and I overheard the conversation I'm sorry you're going through the same thing I'm going through so I said to myself if this is the house of Amir al-Mu'mineen the leader of the believers Umar then who am I to complain Umar said to him hold on a minute let me tell you something my brother inni li umur. I am putting up with my wife for several reasons. After all, my wife is the one who cooks my food. She needs my bread. She washes my clothes. She breastfeeds my children. And not all of these matters are incumbent upon her. And my heart feels rest towards her, so I no longer aspire for the impermissible. So I put up with her for these reasons. And the man said to Umar, Subhanallah, my wife does the same. Yeah, she also cooks for me and needs my bread and breastfeeds my children. My wife is the same. He said, So put up with her, my brother, 
because life is very short. Put up with her, my brother, because we haven't got very long left in this world. Life is short. Allahu Akbar. You see how the Sahaba, they played a role in bringing the hearts together and avoiding divorce as much as possible. Undoubtedly, it is a, uh, an opportunity to escape their relationship as and when needed. But this is not the spirit of the ayah. Reconciliation is best and it is their priority wherever possible. So this is the first of the matters. The priority is to try to keep the relationship or the, the problem of the marriage contained within the confines of your home. Only bringing arbitrators as and when needed. How do you keep your problem within the confines of your home? What are the things that you can do to achieve this principle of reconciliation is best? Four quick matters before we break for salah. Number one, anger management. We're going to dedicate an entire week on the element of anger management from the Quran. Most of the problems you can say, that you can say, that happen as a result of anger and haste bring about regret. And the Messenger وسلم, in the hadith of Bukhari on the authority of Abdullah ibn Abbas or the hadith of Abu Huraira, when a man said to him, Awsini, advise me, O Messenger of Allah, he said to him, La taghdab, don't get angry. And the man kept asking, Rabda give me advice. And the Prophet would say to him, La taghdab, just don't get angry. That's number one. If you are angry, don't try to solve the problem there and then. Move on. Stay quiet. And that's point number two. Silence when you are angry. If there is an issue that needs discussing, do not discuss it when your veins are bulging and you're sweating in anger. There's no point. That's why Ahmed narrates that the Prophet said, If one of you is angry, let him stay quiet. Don't speak. Uh, Sheikh Ali Tantawi, he said, I worked as a Qadi, as a judge, for 27 years. And most of the cases of divorce that came to me were because of one of two things. Ignorant anger from a husband, a foolish response by the woman, and the problem that they are fighting over is usually very small. Most of the issues of divorce are because of this. Blind anger from the husband, rage, and an idiotic response from the wife, and the root cause is usually taffy, something very petty. So that's number two, uh, silence. Number three is the style of speech when you are addressing the problem. So you and your wife have spoken about that, uh, you and your wife have agreed that this is the time to discuss a particular problem, and we're going to speak about it. Try during that moment to not use what they call the accusative. The accusative when you say you. When you start your discussion with your wife by saying, or your husband, you did this and you did that, instantly what have you done? You've triggered the defense system of your husband or wife. So they're now in defense and this will begin to spiral downwards. Instead of using the accusative, you may wish to use the first person by saying, I was upset when such and such happened. So you're removing the limelight from the person you're speaking about and you're putting it on a situation. I was upset when this was happened. I felt 
disrespected when this particular matter happened and so on and so forth. That's number three. Number four, my brother or my sister learn to make concessions. Realize that there are some battles that you will have to lose in a marriage in order to win the war. Make concessions. And you will find that even in the ayah that we are studying now when Allah says, وَالصُّلْحُ خَيْرٌ Making a settlement is best. And part of making a settlement is that one party will have to compromise a reduction in some of its rights and responsibilities towards it. That's part of making a peace treaty, a settlement. What is the point of you insisting to win an argument if it means that it's going to fracture your relationship or at least put a dent in it? Was that a victory worth celebrating? And similarly, you as a responsible spouse may decide that I'm going to lose this argument. I can't win this one. Why? In order to save the marriage. If you do that, that is not a loss. That is a victory that should be celebrated. Making a settlement, a peace treaty, Allah says that is best. But then look at how the verse is concluded. Ah, we don't like to make concessions. Allah said, وَأُحْضِرَتِ الْأَنفُسُ الشُّحَ Greed is constantly present in the mind of man, Allah said. So you are told in one breath of the verse, make concessions, make a settlement, agree to sacrifice some of your rights for the sake of the bigger picture, for the marriage. But in the second breath of the verse, what does Allah say? Greed is what prevents people from doing that. Greed is always here, present in the mind of man. So, these are examples of the Prophet ﷺ acting upon this principle of reconciliation is best. And I've shared with you some of the ways in which the companions, they did the same. Then I shared with you four particular strategies in keeping the problem in-house. There may be a situation, this is phase number two, where your problem, your marital discord needs to go out. You need a second opinion. What do we do in this situation? Allah Almighty gives instructions if the matter needs escalation. He said, from Surah An-Nisa, chapter 4 as well. وَإِنْ خِفْتُمْ شِقَاقَ بَيْنِهِمَا If you fear a disagreement between husband and wife, what do you do? فَبَعَثُوا حَكَمًا مِنْ أَهْلِهِ وَحَكَمًا مِنْ أَهْلِهَا Then send for an arbitrator from his family and an arbitrator from her family. إِيُّ رِدَى إِصْلَاحَ If they truly want to reconcile, the intention is there, what will happen? Allah will make it happen. So the priority is to not go into Google, is to not make it the chit-chat of conversation, is to not speak to your neighbor about your problem. No. Take an arbitrator from your side and an arbitrator from her side and allow them to discuss. By the way, these arbitrators who come in to resolve your problem with your husband or wife does not have to be a scholar in their religion does not have to be a PhD holder in Sharia. Doesn't have to be Mufti so-and-so. Getting hold of them is very difficult these days. All this person has to be is an individual who has the best interest of your family in mind, who has the best interest of your family in mind. And number two, they have to be wise. They have to have some hikmah to them. A few gray hairs to their, to their beards and to their heads. A few years on there, they're carrying a few years behind them of experience. They know how to manage a situation like this, right? There, there's wisdom there. Wise enough to realize that the tears 
of a woman are not necessarily an indication that the husband is guilty. And the loud and roaring voice of a husband is not necessarily an indication that the wife is guilty. They can see beyond these things. A wise arbitrator. Wise that they, they know how to manage a situation like this. And I've seen some of our elders, mashallah, they set a fine example in arbitrating between their children who are disputing with one another. And the way they arrange their thoughts. And you've seen two couples when they are fighting, they're shouting, they're all foaming from their mouth and they're speaking over each other and so much is being said about each other and within that one hour sitting, he's mentioned a hundred things and she's mentioned a hundred things and from the past, present, future, finances, socializing and you don't know how to arrange this. No, this arbitrator knows how to arrange that conversation. And they will say, for example, hold on, stop a minute. Dear sister, stop there. Give me the main issues, not the minor ones. Give me the main issues, please, and list them out that you are bothered with respect to your husband. And brother, same thing. Give us the main issues that aggravate you from your wife. Usually you will find, and this is my short experience, they will struggle to find three. Sometimes there are big issues, but they don't usually go beyond three. We say main, remove this one, remove this one. We can discuss these issues, main issues that will affect the future of the relationship. They will mention one, two, sometimes three. Okay, good. Now we want you please to list the things that you would like to change about your spouse. If you had a magic wand, astaghfirullah, you're able to change something in your spouse overnight, what would it be? And they will have a verbal diarrhea here. They will give you a few things that needs to be changed about them. And then you say to them, can you help us uh, with now a list of a few things that you need to change about yourself? Or sometimes you may reward that by saying a few things that you admire about your spouse. Give us now a few things that you admire about your spouse. And here, subhanAllah, they, uh, it's like there is an amnesia that affects them, like they've been hit by a truck and there's this memory loss. I can't remember anything positive. So you may need to give them a hand here. And a wise arbitrator will give them a hand. Does he not provide an income? Does he not do this? Does he not do that? And also your wife, does she not do this? Does she not do that? Yes, yes, yeah, she does. Okay, let's add that to the list. And this one, and this one, and this one, and this one. Oh, look, we have about 30. And then khalas, the problem is solved. Why? Because they begin to uh, realize that the khair that Allah has blessed me with drowns the negatives that I've just listed. It drowns them. Rah, it's gone, it's washed away. And then you ask the question, those things that you want to change about them and you want to change about yourself, are they good things or bad things? No, they're good things. Are they pleasing to Allah or not? Yes, they're pleasing to Allah. So change the mindset. Don't make it, why should I change for him, for her? Make it, I want to change for Allah. Because they are pleasing to him. So I will change for him. Allahu Akbar. See, when you have a wise arbitrator, so many problems could be evaded and so many families could be fixed. Moral of the story, brothers and sisters, please don't make your relationship the chit-chat of your community. Be very careful who you share your marital problems with. I know it is very tempting to speak to your friend, your neighbor, about your grievances. Why? Because they're going to clap and cheer for you. They're going to share the battle cry with you. 
They're going to double down on your desire to kill your spouse. They will agree with everything you say and sympathize. That is rarely helpful advice. They don't know your situation. And they rarely have the wisdom to deal with your situation. And I compare a friend who tries to give you advice about your marriage, more often than not, to a spectator in a football game, a fan. He's not in the game. He's not perspiring. He doesn't have the pressure to score. Doesn't have the media, the limelight on his head or her head. You're just a spectator. You can sit down and watch. You can cheer, you can jeer. You can get up and go to the bathroom. If you wish, you can go and get a hot dog. A halal one, HMC. Or if you get bored of the game, you can just walk out. The player can't do that. In the marriage, the husband and wife, they are the guys on the pitch. And all of the guys who are giving advice, your friends, who have your best interest in mind apparently, they're just spectators. They don't know what it's like to be in your situation. They don't have the experience of the elders. They don't have the knowledge of their religion as per what is right and what is wrong in each circumstance. They don't have years of experience on their back. They haven't even bothered to ask you about the, what does your husband, your wife have to say about this? We haven't heard from them. You're just happy that they support you? This is a very ignorant, uh, short-sighted way to deal with a marital problem by just speaking about it. These are the matters of your home. Don't allow it to become the chit-chat of social media and your friends. And I would really be interested to see if there is a study out there that's actually looked at the percentage of relationships that could have been saved but failed because of bad marital advice. So be careful who you choose when asking for advice, dear brothers and sisters. A wise person from his family and a wise person from her family. Having said all of this, brothers and sisters, in conclusion to this principle, marriage undoubtedly is the bedrock of society. We've mentioned this before. It's the gold standard of commitment. It's the secret that allows societies to flourish the way they do when you have a stable family to rear children within. Therefore, although I acknowledge that marriages, they can and they do break down, wherever possible, we should prevent them from doing so. Divorce is an option, no doubt, but wherever possible, we promote the opposite, reconciliation. Sadly, however, Modernity is pushing the opposite direction of this. Allah says, As-sulhu khair, reconciliation is best. Modernity is saying there is no need for reconciliation. Don't worry about it. And that's why you had on the 6th of April 2022, a piece of legislation that was passed in this country, England and Wales. And it was put forward by the conservatives in 2020. What they call the no-fault divorce, which basically means that a one couple or a one spouse from the, from, from the couple can apply for a divorce without the consent of the other, without consulting the other. It is a unilateral divorce on demand. The other couple, the other spouse can do nothing about it. They can't challenge it, even if the one who is pushing forward the proceedings is in the wrong, they can do nothing about it. It's the end of their relationship. Khalas. No commitment, no fault divorce. How is that helpful? 
When Allah Jalla Jalaluhu is saying, no, wassulhu khayr, reconciliation is best, making a settlement is best, even if it comes at the expense of some of your rights, if at all it is possible to keep the relationship intact, then this should be the immediate go-to. Crisis in any relationship, including marriage, is a character-building opportunity. It's an opportunity to realize who you actually are. It allows you to mature and to grow and to discover yourself, to see your blind spots that you couldn't have discovered without a spouse. Therefore, if on each and every occasion you fall out with your spouse, you're going to divorce and walk away, then what type of example are you setting for the children in teaching them that whenever you have a problem in your life, and it could be just boredom with your spouse, the answer is to get up and walk away. How will they cope in life when they meet challenges? And how will you cope as a spouse when you remarry? Guess what? The same problems that you did not solve in the first marriage, you will carry them into the new marriage and you will land in the exact same situation. So walking away is not always the best go-to, but rather see it as a character building opportunity. I'm going to address my problems. How can I treat them and grow as a as a Muslim and as a human being. So, yes, we acknowledge that not all problems are solvable in a marriage, but nor should divorce be the knee-jerk reaction to every problem. And we say, خير, reconciliation is best. And one of the most optimistic verses in the Quran is where Allah Jalla Jalaluhu said, إِصْلَاحَ If they both truly want to reconcile, يُوَفِّقِ اللَّهُ بَيْنَهُمَا Allah will make it happen. One way or another, Allah will make it happen. That's the guarantee for those who truly want to come together and reconcile and settle their differences. So um, uh, I think we've gone over the allocated time. And unfortunately, we've only covered one principle. I was planning on covering principle 13. Qaddar Allah We will defer that, inshallah, until next week, I think then. Any questions, uh, brothers? Any queries? Any additions? Any contributions? I sometimes forget to um, ask you that.